The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Today we are reading from Psalm 109. Be not silent, O God of my praise, for wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. They encircle me with words of hate and attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. Appoint a wicked man against him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayer be counted as sin. May his days be few. May another take his office. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander about and beg seeking food far from the ruins they inhabit. May the creditor seize all that he has and may strangers plunder the fruits of his toil. Let there be none to extend kindness to him, nor any to pity his fatherless children. May his posterity be cut off. May his name be blotted out in the second generation. May the iniquity of his father be remembered before the Lord and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually, that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. For he did not remember to show kindness, but pursued the poor and the needy and the brokenhearted to put them to death. He loved to curse, let curses come upon him. He did not delight in blessing, may it be far from him. He clothed himself with cursing as his coat. May it soak into his body like water, like oil into his bones." May it be like a garment that he wraps around him, like a belt that he puts on every day. May this be the reward of my accusers from the Lord, of those who speak evil against my life. But you, O God, my Lord, deal on my behalf for your name's sake, because your steadfast love is good. Deliver me, for I am poor and needy, and my heart is stricken within me. I am gone like a shadow at evening. I am shaken off like a locust. My knees are weak through fasting. My body has become gaunt with no fat. I'm an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they wag their heads. Help me, O Lord my God. Save me according to your steadfast love. Let them know that this is your hand. You, O Lord, have done it. Let them curse, but you will bless. They arise and are put to shame, but your servant will be glad. May my accusers be clothed with dishonor. May they be wrapped in their own shame as a cloak. With my mouth, I will give great thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng. For he stands at the right hand of the needy one to save him from those who condemn his soul to death. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, My name is Miguel Warren, and I have the privilege and honor to serve here on staff as the director of community. Well, look, I bet you wasn't coming to hear uh, some some hard reading of Scripture like that, I'll tell you that much. But um, here's what we'll do. Let's just pray, um, because that's a weighty weighty passage, and I believe that God has a word for us today in spite of it being so heavy. Um, So if you would pray for me. And I will pray for you, and then we will sit at the feet of Jesus to hear what he has to say um, to us through his word. So let's pray. Father God, 
oh, wretched man that I am. It is by your grace I am who I am, God. And Lord, I'm grateful that you don't give up on us. And Father, whatever we are experiencing today, I just pray that we will be able to lay it at your feet. To know that as this psalm tells us that you are strong and mighty enough to carry all of our burdens. So speak now, Holy Spirit. Have your way right now. Move uh, in our hearts. I pray that your word will bring life, that people will give their life to you or confess and trust in you and you will conf- and that we would repent of ways that we have lived, Lord. Um, I pray that it will rebuke us and encourage us as well. Thank you for your faithfulness, knowing that if you do no more, you're still the most faithful, just God there is. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me ask you a question. I need you to consider this and think about this. Have you ever experienced someone wrongfully accusing you? I mean, they are just on your neck. Every time you go around their presence, man, they're on you. They, and you're like, I haven't done anything. To the point to where even when you come around, you see other people start acting different towards you. How did you respond? How did you want to respond? Did you want to respond with vengeance to get even so that they can feel the hurt and pain that you feel? Or did you respond in a way that one of the disciples of Jesus did, Stephen, when he was being stoned? His last words wasn't, get them, sick them, God, but yet forgive them. The truth is that when we experience injustice, when we experience hurt, we're wanting to do something. We're probably even wanting to give vengeance and make them feel what we feel. Or on the other hand, we can respond in such a way to giving them over to God and let God deal with them. And here's the truth. When we experience extreme hurt, some of us are tempted and get this probably already have done in the past and maybe currently doing, trying to get vengeance in our own time. See, we come to the text today with with King David models for us how we ought to respond when we have injustices, um, when we've been treated unjust, when we've experienced deep, deep hurt, and particularly when it comes to our character assassination. You see, David was wrongly convicted. People were, were, were on, his, on his back. They were slandering his name in such a way, not because he did anything, but because he was a righteous man. And when we come through this text, some say, well, maybe it's Saul. Maybe it's Absalom. But some, some, we don't really know who it is, in a sense, that, who, who King David's talking about. But what we do know is that there are many accusers that are attacking him. And so we come to this psalm that really is uh, um, historically, uh, that's not very popular, if we could say, in the church. It's an imprecation, imprecatory prayer, imprecatory psalm. And the truth is that regardless of what people may say, they still have value and validity today. 
Because if we believe that 2 Timothy chapter 3 is true, that all scripture is God-breathed, and we know that this text today, no matter how weighty or dark it is, has meaning and purpose for us today, and God wants to use it to speak to us. So you say, what is an imprecatory psalm? What is, what, is this, what is this language? I haven't heard that, right? This is, we, about to get a, a, we about to work out our arm muscles. We about to work out some muscles we ain't worked out in a long time. You about to have a little bit of diet that you need to be having that we ain't had in a minute. So, you know, get ready. Let's, let's, let's buckle down and let's get this thing. Here's the thing. It's simple. It's a lament and it's a cry for God to vindicate. It, it is a cry because you have experienced uh, misfortune or destruction. It's simply what it is. Is when you have this imprecation here, this prayer. What you're doing is that you are calling and depending on God and his sovereignty and his protection and his justice to handle the injustice that's taking place. Imprecatory psalms, imprecatory prayers are not one of vendettas. They're not one of like, let me, let me pray this so I can get back at them and get even. That's not what imprecation prayers are. No, it acknowledges as God as the deliverer, the source of deliverance, and judge. Realizing that we are weak and that we are needy. And what it is is that we are submitting ourselves under God's authority. Right? We are submitted under his authority and under his sovereignty. Meaning under his just and under his mercy here. And I think it's very important for us to hear this today. God experiencing just mercy doesn't just bring him glory alone. And God carrying out his justice doesn't bring glory alone. No, it's not one or the other. It's both and, right? They both do. So let's not just say God is just a God of love and God is not just a God and he, he doesn't do it. No, he's one of just and mercy. Both bring glory to him. And truth be told, we all prayed uh, imprecation prayers. We've all said it before. Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, really is the disciples' prayer. But we, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Get this, here it is. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're calling when we pray that is we're saying that the, the, the holiness, the pure, the justness that is in heaven, that exists there, we need to experience that here on earth. And one day it will when Jesus comes back and he will vanquish all sin and everything will be established. So before we frown our nose up and say, hey, well, I don't pray like that. No, we've prayed that prayer many times. So my purpose here, the aim for this text is for us to see how we are to respond when we encounter injustices, when we see it, when we experience. But I think it's very important, and we're going to get to the text, but we got to set this up here. It's very important for us to understand this here. When you look at the Psalms, they are about corporate worship. There are hymns, there are songs that are being sung collectively together. And some of you might be sitting here saying that, well, you know what? I haven't experienced any injustice. I haven't had uh, someone slander my name. I haven't experienced someone do me wrong like that. So, so this really ain't got nothing to do with me. No, that's not the truth here. If you are a son and daughter of Jesus Christ, you are part of a body. And this Psalms and the Psalms are seen corporately together. So that means that when you see your brother or sister or hear someone experience a racial injustice, when you see someone or heard someone that has experienced rape or sexually molested or verbally abused or whatever type of injustice that come on, don't just check out. You don't, you don't get to check out. No. 
And oftentimes, we don't even check out. What we do is we try to get the facts together first and decide if we're going to jump in. Let me, let me get the facts before I see what really happened, and then I'll decide if I will cry, if I will plead or lament with my brothers and sisters. Let me tell you something. That is not how we are called to respond as believers of Jesus Christ. We have the ministry of bearing with one another. We are our brother's keepers. When they hurt, we hurt. When they rejoice, we rejoice. And understand here, when we engage in this, this isn't just a, let me just preach the gospel, right? Let me just confess to Jesus and Jesus is gonna take care of it and I don't have to worry about that. That is not what this psalm is saying. This is not like, let's just confess to God and let's leave it there and let's not try to engage in the injustice that is taking place in, in the actual time that we experience. That ain't what it's saying. But what this is saying is that when we're angry, because we have anger, how will we ought to deal with the emotional aspect? How do we deal with this in such a God-honoring way where God will be glorified, not us. We see here with imprecation prayers, God is going to carry out vengeance because his name is at stake, not yours. His reputation is at stake. So let's see here in the text what's taking place. So we have in verse one through five, David has his complaint. He starts off saying, God, don't be silent. The one that he worshiped, the one that is center of his life, the object of his praise, he said, hey, listen, don't be silent because we got some problems going on down here. What is he saying? What is the complaint? He's saying that these men are wicked when you look at verses one through five. They're wicked, they're deceitful, they're, they're lying. It encircles him and he's like, hey, it's without cause. I ain't even done nothing to them. Matter of fact, the text even says that, hey, in exchange for, for what they're giving me, this evil for God, I love them, but then they're hatred towards me. Then he goes on and says, not even, not even that, he goes, I'm a man of prayer in verse four, but I give myself to prayer. Ah, that's interesting here. He's hurt. Words with this character assassination that's taking place, that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is the furthest thing from the truth. Many of us remember the words that somebody said when us when we were a kid, when we were small, or we said something, and it stuck with us. Whether good or bad, the words carry with us. The Bible tells us there's power in life and death in the tongue here. There's a reason why we write reviews when we go experience places because no matter how much money you have, you can have bodyguards, you can, have, you can be on the, the highest floor in the penthouse where nobody can reach you. Oh, but words can carry far and mighty. Security guards can't defend that. So he's like, I'm feeling this way. I'm hurting right here. But understand, here's this, we, we, we have this tension with imprecations in how we ought to respond, right? But we see here that because you say, well, wait a minute, the New Testament says that we ought to love, right? Jesus commands, love your enemy, pray for them. Luke 6, love your enemy, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. 1 Peter 3, don't, re, don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless those, uh, bless for the, this is what you are called that you may obtain a blessing. Romans 12, don't bless, but don't bless, but don't curse. Wait, 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 wait a minute, what do you mean? But here we have David who is, uh, who is a type of Christ for us, right? Who is modeling saying, hey, 
even in the midst of what I'm feeling, hey, guess what? I'm not neglecting what God called me to do. I'm still loving folks. And get this, it's probably with somebody close to him. And many of us got stories where we experienced that. But what we see here is that he's saying, hey, it's not like a, oh, let me, I just forgo, I'm supposed to love and, 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 and I'm not supposed to deal with my feelings. No, we're going to get to that. But what we see here, this posture is that he's loving them even when they're still hating him. And he's praying for them. Get the, he's not just trying to stick it to them. He's, he, he's praying for them, even with all that he's feeling. And if you could here, and if I, and if I can, uh, if you can, in verse 24, he's, he's engaging this thing from a spiritual perspective as well. Because when we are hurt, when we experience wrongful injustice, when no one wants to believe you, when you know that you are completely innocent, you didn't deserve it, it takes nothing but God to let you love someone that has hurt you. Because left up to our own vices, we can't do that. No. Why, why do you say it was, how do we know that David was dependent on God? Because he says that he prayed, but then in verse 24, it says that his knees were weak through fasting. Why do you fast? You fast so that you can gain a reliance upon God and his work in your life, right? Because what you're experiencing here on earth in the physical, you, you need something more. You need, you need him. You need the spiritual aspect to carry us through. I love what Dr. Tony Evans said. Everything physical and invisible is preceded by everything uh, 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 in, invisible and spiritual. So, what does that mean for us here? That means that we got a spiritual warfare that's taking place, and we're going to see this in the text. So he got his complaint. And then verses 6 through 19, really, he issues his imprecations. He's like, hey, look here. This is what we need to do, God. This is what I'm feeling right now. He goes, can we have an honest talk? He says, can we have an honest talk? And he sits over here, and he brings down curses upon him. He's like, hey, let, him, let the children be fatherless, the wife a widow. Man, you're like, wait a minute, he going to the family? It ain't that serious, is it? Yes, it is. Absolutely it is. Because David is only praying on the basis of the principles and practices of the Old Testament. You see, if you go back and look at Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy 5, see, it is, it is visited where um, sins of the fathers would be visited to the children in third and fourth generation, right? The law of Moses was warned against certain sins because consequences fell on the family. So he's well within his rights to what he's praying here. That whole eye for an eye, two for two. He's like, hey, give them what I'm experiencing. And so what he's praying is not outside the scope of what God's word command here. But here's what I think is the more important matter when we look at this large passage here is that David is speaking from his true feelings. I think all the time when we engage God, we, we suppress uh, the hurt. We suppress the anger and bitterness that we feel because we've been wrongly uh, accused or been treated unjustly. So what we do is suppress it and act like everything is good. And that is not what we are called to do. Because, he, get, hear me now. The Psalms speaks from array of things. I love how this theologian said, he said, the Psalms explores the full gamut of human experience from rage to hope. But oh, if we limit the anger and the rage, we do not have a robust, we don't have a robust spiritual, a spirituality, spiritual life. 
So we can't just sit here and act like, oh, we can be sad, or we can, we can cry, we can weep, but we ain't supposed to deal with anger. No, I submit to you today that whatever you're feeling, be honest with God. Let him know we see in this imprecation, he's just pouring out what he's feeling. And he has every right to, because God knows anyway. What's interesting here is that we need to pour it out and we need to be mindful how we engage with this because there's a tension because the truth is is that when we try to condemn on our own terms, we put ourselves in the position of authority and we act like gods. We trying to dictate the terms and way and then we get mad at God because he's not moving fast enough. But the tension that we have to have is that we need to have our angers under control because out of control anger does not produce God honoring results. It didn't say not anger. James chapter 1, 20 says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We can't, you cannot be anger and then sit here and try to go out and engage with it. No, you gotta, you can't just not, just not do nothing with it. You gotta give it to the Lord. Vengeance is his as we will see. But then that's where we have in this text, but not only a few things that we see that he's bringing his own self and his feelings here, but there's a spiritual enemy as I mentioned. See, understand that when it comes to imprecations, your enemies is not just your enemies. No, they're God's enemies too here. Well, where do you see that at? Well, look at verse, it says in verse 16, verse 16 through 20. I mean, it's verse 16 through 18. It says they forgot, they they didn't remember to show kindness, but yet they pursued the poor and needy, the brokenhearted, not just physically, but the spiritually brokenhearted down and trodden. They pursued them. Verse 17 says that um, he, it, it, loved to, it loved to curse, didn't delight in blessings, even clothed himself with curses as his coat. Understand this was who they were. And then it even says in verse 6 where it says that, hey, let the accusers have a wicked man set against him. Excuse me, it says, point a wicked, a wicked man against him. Then it says, let an accuser stand at his right. Now understand, this word accuser in the, in the Hebrew means Satan, adversary here. Now, I'm not saying that this is the actual Satan that he's saying, but what he's saying is that, hey, let the person be found guilty in so much so that there's someone that is just as evil as them that is accuser so that he can be found guilty. And understand that we are in a spiritual warfare here and that sin doesn't just aimlessly take place and like just happen. There are sinners who carry out sin. And so these are physical people that are hurting him, that are being moved by demonic influence, that of the Satan, that are carrying out these things here. We wrestle against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6.20 says, Spiritual darkness. There's spiritual forces here at play. But understand, they're enemies of God, not just us alone. And so you say, well, what are we supposed to do with that? Verse 21 through 29, we trust God. That's what it says in you look at that verse 20 through 29. Trust God. What he says, he says in verse 21, but you, O Lord, deal, get this, deal on my behalf for your name's sake. Not my name, but your name's sake. His reputation is on the line. His reputation's on the line. Then he says, because if your steadfast love is good, he look at his posture, he says, I'm poor and needy. I need, he goes, I'm poor and needy, I'm broken down, I'm weakened, I'm shaking. My body is getting weak, it's, it's small, I got just bones and skins. I'm just feeling the hardness of everything. But in that, he says, 
He's trusting him. And even in verse 20, uh, 26, he says, help me, O Lord, my God, save me according to your steadfast love. There it again, he asked second time in a short time for ask God to save him. Again, this is God's enemies. He's relying and trusting on God. And here it is, vengeance is mine, where the Lord says, because in 27, he says, let them know that this is your hand. You, O Lord, have done it, not me, you. He's saying, I'm so upset. Look, I want you to get there because your name is at stake. Yeah, I'm broken and I'm messed up and I'm feeling it, but God, you can do it rightly, not myself. And we see that we are to trust him with this. And we see that even that posture is one of what, 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 uh, what, what First Peter 2 tells us that it says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. But what does it say there? He suffered and he did not threaten. He continued to entrust himself to the, just, to the judge uh, to him who judged justly. Let's make something very clear here. Let's not get too frowned up at, their no, uh, at them and act like, yeah, that's, that's right, man. I want to get people. Because the truth of the matter is that if we're not careful, we can end up just like the people that we're praying that God gets. We can be just like them because the text said in verse 16, they forgot who, they forgot. They didn't remember to show kindness. And so they pursued the poor and needy. It even says in verse 24, or excuse me, in verse 25, where it says they wagged their heads at me. What's interesting is it's the same language is that they wagged their heads at Jesus when he was crucified and hanging on the cross. And the truth is, some of us have already, if we haven't done, we're probably currently not pursuing kingdom values. Which means we are then pursuing the poor and needy. We are just like the enemies that we are praying against. And we're probably experiencing that now, if we're honest. But there's this tension, right? Because understand the tension is like, well, I'm not sinless. Yeah, you're not. But at the same time, I, I got to pray this thing to him. True. Absolutely. But I think we got to be honest with where we're at. And if we're not careful, we too will be just like the ones we're praying against. But understand here, God's divine and just wrath was poured out on Jesus. Right? He was innocent. He was sinless. Lived a sinless life. Yet, while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. The just, the wrath of God to handle the justice of sin, because the wages of sin is death, Jesus took our place. And we experienced it. And the Bible tells us that we were once far off, but now we're brought near by the blood of Jesus. Which then leads us to verse 31, and, uh, verse 30 and 31, where he says and he vows that he can praise God. Why can he praise God? He can praise God because God will deliver him. He, he haven't delivered him yet. Understand, they didn't have the New Testament. Jesus didn't come yet. But oh, that's good news for us. Because we can pray God in the midst of what we're experiencing, knowing that he's already delivered us once on the cross of Jesus, and yet he is coming back again to consummate everything and establish true justice here. But here's the beautiful thing that's just shout music here is that the reason why we're able to experience and praise God is because the text says that he will stand at my right hand. That's what it says. He will stand at my right hand of the needy one. And it reminds me of Romans chapter 8 where he sits here and he talks about who shall bring a charge against God's elect. It is God who justifies who is he condemned? It is Christ who died and, there, uh, and who was raised. Who is that? Get this at the right hand of God who intercedes on our behalf. That's why we can praise God because he's interceding for us. And then it goes on and even says that what shall, who shall separate us from the love of God? 
Shall it be death or, or tribulation or peril or sword? No, it doesn't. But then I love at the end of it where it sits over here and says, for I am convinced. I am sure of this thing, that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Why? Because there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There's nothing that separates us. And I submit to you today, whatever you experience, whatever injustice is, whatever the enemy's trying to do, hear me now. You can worship and praise God because that cannot separate you and cannot crush you. So let's submit and praise and worship God for what he has done and will do for his name's sake. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come now feeling hurt, broken, all kind of emotions, reflecting on when we've experienced someone wrongly accused us, whether it was physically, mentally, verbally. But oh, I'm so glad that you stand at our right hand. I'm so glad that you love us and didn't give up on us. I'm so glad for the grace and mercy that Jesus bore that sin and the wrath and the just wrath on you, on, your, on Jesus, instead of us. Because truth be told, we deserved that wrath. We did. But thank you that you saw fit to send one to step in our place. Be with us, God. Help us as we learn to deal with our anger and entrust it in you so that vengeance is yours. In Jesus' name, amen.